This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihew from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. What's up, everybody out there in listening land? This is episode 42 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We are back again this week. I am, as always, your host, Tucker Merrihew, and I'm here with our wonderful co-host, Steve Nassar. What is happening, Steve-O? Hey, I graduated to wonderful co-host. Yeah. I like it. Thanks, Tucker. Uh, things are good. It's a beautiful, sunny day out there. Summer's finally starting to kick into high gear, and I'm loving it. Yeah, we've got you know Fourth of July coming up. It's obviously a big weekend for a lot of folks. I'm sure it's going to be a, a good time. I think uh, we were talking before the show. We'll probably take next week off because it's going to be an abbreviated week for most people. So we'll kind of set the expectations now for our listeners that uh, next week is going to be a vacation week from the podcast. There you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> Tuesday might be a hangover day for most people is kind of what I'm thinking. It's it's very possible. but Yeah, you know, it's one of those holidays that's falling on just a funky day. And it's like 4th of July or other holidays of that nature. When they fall like on a Friday, you know, you have your weekend behind it. Or if they fall on a Saturday, you typically get Friday off or Monday just, yeah, it's not conducive to people having a great Tuesday unless they take the day off. Yeah, it gets a little weird, that's for sure. It makes that week a little little janky. But beyond that, we've got a great show for this week. We're going to talk a lot about market action stuff. Uh, we might be at an inflection point in the market, but we'll get into that a little more uh, here in just a little bit, as well as an article that I want to bring up and discuss. But before we dive into all that, what's going on with you this week? Give our listeners a rundown. Yeah, so as usual, I'll take it on both as an agent in the trenches component and then also as one of the owners and VP of sales and marketing for a large brokerage here in Portland. On the agent side of things, I had a really weird experience, and it falls in line with some stuff we've talked about on the show in the past with regards to the homeless problem. I have a listing. The seller is an institutional seller. Believe it or not, it's actually a title company. Hmm. So I think somehow there was a claim of some sort, and they ended up owning the house. I was connected with them. They're out, out of areas, part of my point here. And it's a very, very rundown house in northeast Portland. I'm, I'm looking on a map here. It's on 117th Avenue. It's just east of 205 and south of 84. So it's in a pretty, you know, it has some rougher areas in and around it. Well, we were pending sale. We got an offer. That part wasn't an issue. As we're pending sale, and, and it had tall grass and it had a lot of the telltale signs of being a somewhat neglected property, we have an appraisal being done. Appraiser calls us and says, hey, I went to the house, I went inside, and it was a mess, and there was people inside. And wow. They looked like squatters, homeless people. It was a female appraiser, so she quickly vacated. She called my team up. And we reached out to the seller, our seller who's out of state, and we just said, hey, we probably should call the police on this. And he said, he said, yep, I'm in agreement. So we call the police. They go there. They pretty much chase him out. It seems like they didn't arrest him or they couldn't catch him at that time. I don't even know that process. We were kind of wondering if that would happen. They get them out of the house. And I could tell from speaking with the officer directly that this is not an isolated thing. You know, he had some pretty strong things to say about these. He, you know, he seemed to make it out like these institutional sellers really don't pay attention to this stuff. And so it just, it causes the police force a lot of 
challenges. And, and that it, he said something along the lines of if this happens again, we may have to board it up and charge a lien to the property for our time and efforts. And it never did come to that, but they get run off the property. There's needles there. I mean, it's just a horrible mess. There's all sorts of junk there. They'd been using the kitchen. And so two days later, they're back in the property. I'm trying to remember exactly how one of our people went back out there, I think, with a contractor to, to kind of secure the property and, and do a few things to try to keep these people out. Sure enough, they're in there. This time, the contractor and my co-list agent see them jumping out the windows in the back. They're running, and it's more of the same, more needles, and, and just the place is a mess. So that time, we were kind of advised by a couple people as we we're talking through this. They said, you know, you got to make it look like there's people staying there. So we got clearance from our seller. We got a landscaper out there to mow the yard. We brought in a 1-800-got-junk type company to junk out the place. We even brought in a cleaner that is on the books to clean it. And we secured it a little bit more. They actually ended up that day, the second time that they went there, they found them. They went inside. They called the police. Police came again. They had run off. They left for a little bit, and then they came, and they were still there again. So, I mean, this was – they were really latched onto this property. And we're out of the woods now. It's been a week or so now without any of this. But, man, it was quite a fiasco. It was a lot to deal with. And I don't think it's isolated. I've seen similar posts on the master's group. I think they're out there. And so my recommendation to agents out there who, who have a listing like this is talk to your seller, be proactive to try to make it look as less abandoned as possible. And I think grass mowing the yard is a big part of that. Did you have a for sale sign in the yard? We had a pending on the for sale sign. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing that we do when we've been in, um, you know, a little less desirable areas, let's call it, right, where maybe the, the homeless issue becomes more of an issue. We don't put for sale signs in the yard because that's something that they have historically targeted and they've targeted our properties. Not only homeless trying to break in to either tie off, do drugs, hang out, you know, have a campfire, whatever the hell it is that they do. But on top of that, you get the, the crooks of the world, the tweakers of the world that look for those properties that are vacant to basically break in and steal anything that they can. So one way that we've, you know, prevented that kind of headache from happening when you're in those kind of little rougher areas is we don't put a for sale sign in the yard because that's a, a pretty easy tip off for them because they know idea. most of the time, especially if it's a newly manicured property, they know that it's likely vacant or they can see in the windows, right? And there's nothing in there. As soon as they target it one time or they find, realize that it's vacant and it's for sale, boom, now it's an ongoing target for them. So yep. um, we yep. had one of those deep in felony flats a number of months back and I actually had to hire the next door neighbor who was an ex-Navy SEAL and he was kind of my personal protection for the property and a couple hundred bucks went a long way with him. But if I didn't have him running people off on a daily basis, we would have had the same issue that you were facing there. Did you ever have a break in there? Uh, yes, we did once. Um, and then we uh, basically overly secured all the doors. But the uh, guy next door ran off countless times. People that were, you know, trying to break in or they were tying off in the backyard to shoot up or they were doing all kinds yeah. of stuff. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's an Terrible. epidemic. It's a problem. And as yeah. soon as they identify the property once, like you noticed, they come back and they come back and yep. they come back. Yep. And, you know, we're pending sale. The buyer was aware of this because the appraiser told the lender and, you know, we're just like, come on, let's get to the finish line. We're so close. Don't have this run off our buyer, which it hasn't happened, fortunately. Don't have this run off our buyer. Now we're back active. 
And I mean, it's just, yeah, it was, it, it was touch and go there. It was not a, a great situation. And my co-list ran out to this property half a dozen times. I mean, and this is a $200,000 house in, in, you know, Northeast Portland. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's not the biggest paycheck we're ever going to receive, but it's a lot of work. It was quite the fiasco to deal with. Yeah. It sucked up a lot of your guys' time. <laughs> That's what you're telling Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> so on the brokerage side, we've been interviewing quite a few people for some new positions. Our Newberg, we're calling it our Yamhill office, is just done. In fact, our final walkthroughs today, I'm not going to be able to go to that, but some of the other executives are. And I think we're going to be furnishing it this weekend. So we're, we're looking at some new people for some, some of our transaction coordinator front desk positions where we try to intermix the two roles so that we can be efficient with cost there. We're also about a month away from our Gresham office opening up. And so we're making some pretty good traction in two new markets we're going into. So been working on that. Yeah, that's cool. You guys are on a massive expansion path, it seems. So that's cool to see. Yeah, we're excited. It's It's been fun. And uh, we've got a great group of people, a great company. I don't think we talked about it last week. Actually, we were ranked number 21 of, out of the 100 fastest growing companies from the Portland Business Journal. Last week, we had Best of Masters. We didn't really talk about our business. And the week before, I said we were going to that event. And mm-hmm. yes, we we ranked number 21 this year. Last year, we were number eight. Now, you know, at a glance, it might be like, oh, you guys are slowing down. But that's not really how it works. What they do is they purely look at percentage of revenue increase year over year. And so the bigger you get, the harder it is to to have those huge incremental increases. I'll give a, a perfect analogy. If a car's going zero miles an hour and it goes to 10 miles an hour, you're going 10 times. But if you're going one mile an hour and then you go 10 miles an hour, 10, you're right? going 10 yeah. times faster. But to go from 60 miles an hour, 10 times faster is is a little different story. So as you get bigger... It is harder and harder to keep those high-ranking, you know, bots in the hundred fastest-growing companies. Typically, the lowest numbers are the smaller companies. So it's quite likely next year, you know, we might be closer to fifty. But doesn't mean that we're not doing great things and excited about where they're going. Yeah, there's only so much time on the hockey stick of growth for a, a company, right? So yeah, you know, that that hockey stick part where you really explode revenue is is only so long so it's hard to yeah i get what you're saying but that's cool that's a great award you guys have been you know really doing some great things so it's cool to see cool thanks how's your week been it's been good we went through kind of a tedious repair denim on one of our uh properties it was tested my patience a little bit but we we got through it so uh that's always a plus sometimes you have to remind yourself that it's all about getting to the finish line sometimes and uh, whether it be on the agent side or the seller side or the builder side or whatever it is. But everything we've got on the market is uh, slated for closing, which is cool. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. But I have noticed an uptick in inventory, especially in certain areas. We have uh, one of our $2 million projects that is pending right now. And it's actually a couple months away from completion. But I have noticed within that area, there is a significant amount of more inventory that's come on the market. So I'm, I'm happy that we've secured a great buyer. And you know I think we're putting out a superior product to what else is out there, which is why our product sold and uh, there's a lot of other stuff sitting. But I will say that I'm happy to see that uh, we're still moving stuff with the increased uh, amount of competition that's kind of coming onto the market. So all in all, it's pretty good. We actually had a great breakthrough this week. We've got a view lot. It's almost a full acre that overlooks all of Lake Oswego. And I've probably talked about it before, but we've been working on it for better part of, I don't know, almost two years now. It's in uh, one of what they call a potential slide area around the lake, which virtually anything that has a view of the lake is in a potential slide area. So we've had sensors in the ground for going on almost two years now to kind of 
catch any readings of water or movement just to kind of ensure that it's a completely safe site. Unfortunately, we have neither of both. So we'll kind of help when we go to sell the property. But more importantly than that is the city of Lake Oswego doesn't have an existing storm system that we can tap into. So we have to take all of our stormwater offsite. I've now finally devised a plan with another builder, Andre, who has houses by Andre. You might be familiar with that. He's got a couple lots, so two properties down. And he didn't have a storm system to tap into either. So we came up with a plan. I met with the city. I talked to Andre yesterday. And we're going to put in a new storm pipe along the back of Upper Drive between the backs of the property there and the railroad track that's below it. And then Lakeview is down below that. And so we're going to be able to basically catch all of our storm water. And then everybody else in between our properties, whoever does a remodel of their house at some point, they're not going to be able to infiltrate on site anymore. They're going to have to tap into some form of storm system. And they don't have that currently. So we're putting in a We're doing a project that will overall improve everybody's situation that lives along that hillside. But more importantly, now we have a place to take our stormwater. We're then going to bore it under the railroad tracks, and it'll connect to a catch basin down on Lakeview, and it'll drain into the lake, just as it should. But that basically then makes this lot finally buildable, and uh, it'll make an amazing product. So I'm, I'm happy that we have a definitive plan, and we have other people on board to kind of help me get it done now. Very cool. So yeah, pretty happy about that. We've got a couple other rehabs, one we're closing on today in Southeast Portland. We've kind of got a big mix of stuff going on. We've got our high-end new construction, and then we've kind of been balancing the business out a little bit with some kind of lower-end remodels that we're going to be putting on the market. Two of them that'll be in like the three to 350 range for inner Southeast Portland, which as you know, that's cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah. yeah so we're kind of, we're balancing our risk a little bit, and we've got a, a few different things on the board, but uh, we're probably about a week away from one of those going on the market, and then we've got another one that we're doing kind of the walkthrough on Friday to kind of determine exactly what we're going to do to it. So got a lot going on. The market has been really hot for a sustained amount of time, which is a good segue into our market action that maybe we can talk about now. But I have noticed a few things, which is, you know, we have the most recent market action report, and I'll let you maybe take it away with the numbers on that. And then we can talk about some of the things that maybe you've noticed and I've noticed out there in the trenches. Yeah. So two, three weeks ago, I posted on Masters Group. I said, hey, have others experienced a slowdown in new new business, not stuff in escrow because stuff in escrow was, you know, that happened 30 days ago or in some cases even longer. But I mean, like just new phone calls of new buyers coming in, new sellers, whatever the case. And there there was a long thread and and many people validated and said, yeah, we have, we felt a downtick in, in lead volume. I also belong to a Zillow Facebook group, very similar to Masters, only it's national. There's about 400 of the people that partner with Zillow in a big way around the country. I posted something similar there, and I got a very similar response. So now, in my thread, I said, you know, is this because of June and Father's Day and weddings and school getting out and a compilation of other things? And it very well could be. So I'm not saying anything definitively. But I, at some point, I think we all, everybody has to agree the party's going to end. We're now going on what feels like to me about four years of this strong market, bull market, whatever you want to call it. To put that into perspective, the downturn was really barely four years. It went from about 2007 to 2011. And that was a big downturn. So the recovery is now about as long as the downturn. So Prices have been going up, been going up, been going up. I think everybody will agree that wages have not kept pace. So at some point, buyers are going to be reaching. And I'm not saying definitively that's today, but what that will look like when it happens will be 
some type of a minor slowdown. This is how I, from my experience watching the last downturn, which this one will be nothing like, mind you. What tends to happen is, first of all, the front line, the industry insiders like us, see a bit of a downtick in new business, in new buyers, maybe buyers sitting out, maybe frustrated, maybe can't quite get what they want. That's the first inning of a downturn, and that's arguably the least problematic of it. When it starts to really get some steam is when the media comes out with that. Media suddenly saying, hey, you know what? The housing market is cooling. Now, what do you think that does? All of a sudden, more buyers are sitting out. And just as importantly, sellers who've been waiting for the top of the market or have been dragging their feet rush to market because they're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to get left behind. I need to sell while, you know, I still can try to get as close to top dollar as possible. The problem is when that happens, inventory spike. And when inventory spike, the market softens very quickly. And we saw that we saw that in a big way in the last downturn. This one would be nothing like it because we don't have the inflated values like we did before because people owned multiple houses, you know, as owner-occupied or they didn't qualify for their loans or whatever the case was. It was a very, very inflated market. But markets do ebb and flow and they do tend to go from one extreme to the other. It's, it's a reality based on human psychology, plain and simple. People, when they're fearful or, you know, they hear bad news, they tend to overcorrect one way. And then when they catch wind that the housing market is good, they rush in in a big way. So anyways, I'm not saying we're there, but it's going to happen at some point. I think it's a good conversation for people to have with their sellers who are dragging their feet. Don't mess around with this because when those headlines come out and they say the market is cooling in a big way, it's too late. Those sellers are going to sit for quite some time in their slash prices, slash prices, because inventories will spike as all these other sellers rush to market and many buyers pull out. The numbers from May, you know, we had been seeing Tucker best May since ever, <laughs> or I'm not talking about this May, but we were, mm-hmm. we, were, we were seeing best December ever in the history of RMLS. We were seeing a lot. Of, that was a few times we we all, we saw a couple months in the recent past where it was the best month since before the downturn. So the best since 06 or 05. We now came out with May's numbers and we're not even better than last year, both on a couple fronts. Closed sales fell 1.6% short of the closings posted the same month last year. That's kind of a big story. Could this just be a, a blip? Sure, of course. Nobody can predict markets and that's in no way what this conversation's about. But I will tell you, this market action report we're looking at also has the average sales price in Portland at around 400000 Median income in Portland is still around 75000 That's household income, two people. So you do some math there, and you'll quickly start to realize that the average person is barely able to afford the average house, if they are at all. And how much longer can that keep going? Now, the wild card for Portland has been and continues to be that we're the hot ticket. A lot of people are moving here. But here's the thing. Media headlines are national. So if the Wall Street Journal or or the L.A. Times starts saying the housing market's cooling, they're not going to have an asterisk and say, oh, but Portland's still great. So the, the people here in Portland will read those headlines and they'll, they'll act accordingly. What are you seeing? You know, I, I think you make a, a lot of great points. I am a big, big advocate of you know, you can look at all the numbers. You can look at what the art market action report has to say. 
obviously they're very lagging indicators compared to where we're at. It's a month behind essentially. You know, so we're looking at numbers that, you know, and it's saying May's inventory levels were 1.4 months, which in certain neighborhoods, certain areas, I would say that still holds true. I will say that there are pockets and every, you know, real estate is local, local, local. Every pocket's different. Every part of town's different, especially right now. And, you know, there are certain pockets where there's not much on the market. Like I alluded to the, the couple of uh, lower end rehabs that we have going, you know, they're going to be listed in the 299 to 349 range. They're turnkey. They're at least three bedrooms. You know, that's an easy sale no matter what's going on, which direction the market's going, whether it's going hot or cool. Now, I will say that one of the houses, you know, that we, we've been under contract to buy it for nine months. It had two probates. It was a messy deal. When we went under contract to buy it, I thought that this was probably like a 279 to 289 house redone. Now there's a comp across the street sold for 381, smaller house. So, you know, you're right. Values have gone up. The income hasn't gone up that much, but was there room to go up? Sure, there was probably a little bit. One thing that nobody's talking about, though, and this is the big killer, and I read an article on this about Illinois and how it's people are starting to leave Illinois for this exact reason, because currently they're number two in the nation as far as expensive property taxes go. And now with uh, some recent bond measures that got passed there, they're going to be number one. And so property taxes can be a killer. And, and Multnomah County is known for having more expensive property taxes than most other areas. But, uh, you know, I'm in Clackamas County and they've ramrodded through a lot of bond measures that make my taxes pretty ridiculous too. And so I think that, you know, when you have higher prices in that kind of especially entry level and beyond but you know it becomes more difficult just to afford the mortgage well when your property taxes start going up because you know the local government you know they also adjust what they think the property's worth and your property taxes go up on top of that it makes it hard to get ahead and and I think that that's going to catch up with the real estate market a little bit as well I know that uh, just for example in Lake Oswego they're trying to ramrod through a multi hundred million dollar bond measure because they threatened to close schools if they didn't get it and they knew that people would push back if they threatened to close schools so I think that was just a big bunch of BS so that then they could say well we're not going to close schools but here's the bond measure that you have to vote through now it's 200 and some million dollars like that's going to leave a mark on property taxes <laughs> that's for sure so you know that's something to think about that nobody's talking about and I think that ultimately when people come to their senses again the market cools and it seems like people buy out of emotion and they don't use their head at all when the market's hot when the market starts to cool you're going to start seeing properties that maybe people pass on because they've got high property taxes. Or maybe there's a little bit of functional obsolescence. It's on a busier road or maybe it doesn't have a garage or things like that that in a hot market people are like, whatever, I'll buy it. In a cool market, now all of a sudden that's like the, you know, that the, that's the house that never can get a date, you know, and nobody wants it. And so I think we're going to get back to a more balanced market. I don't think it's going to be a cool, you know, sky's falling but I think we're headed back to a, a more balanced market. And I think we should be because, you know, we've talked about this before, Steve. Sellers kind of a seesaw, right? Like they see that their neighbor got, you know, for example, we've got a house that's pending for just under $2 million. It's an amazing product. It's a half acre lot. It's turnkey. It's brand new. Well, the neighbors around that see that we're pending at $2 million and everybody thinks their house is a special snowflake, right? They think their house is the best thing ever, even though it's obvious that most of the time that's not the case for whatever reason. So I've seen a lot of other houses pop up on the market for about the same price, very inferior products. But in the minds of those sellers, they think that it's not. They think their house is amazing. Well, what's going to happen is obviously we have more inventory. Those houses are going to sit for a while and it's going to make it more difficult to sell anything because their expectations are too high. So I think we're in a part of the market right now 
where expectations are a little too high for a good amount of sellers. They come out, they list too high, inventory starts to go up too. That causes a slowing, right? You've got prices that buyers don't want to pay. You've got more inventory out there. So now you get downward pressure on prices and you get listings that start to get a little stale. And that's what's perceived as a slowdown. And so I think that in certain pockets, we're starting to see that. I don't think it's going to be a horrible, you know, markets totally in the dumps, but I think it has to get more balanced. I think people have to get more realistic. I think people need to recognize that they have a property that has some functional obsolescence, has some challenges. Maybe it's not fully updated. Maybe it doesn't have a garage. Normal people want garages in Portland, you know, or in the surrounding areas. If it's on a busy road, that's usually a negative for a good amount of the buyer pool. If there's a homeless camp right next to it, that's a negative for a big part of the buyer pool. So, I think we're on our way back to a more balanced market where people think a little more rationally in terms of how they value a property. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think that's where we're going. What do you think? Yeah, no, and I don't think it's I don't think it's all bad. I mean, you know, everybody enjoys a, a hot housing market, but there's trade-offs in both. You know, if the market cools a little bit, we'll immediately us as real estate professionals will see a diminish in for sale by owners. Right now or in the recent past, and right now, you know, every seller thought that, you know, a drunk monkey could sell their house. So they're like, why not me? That also starts a conversation about discount brokerages, you know? Okay, well, I, I'm not going to for sale by owning my house, but gosh, if a drunk monkey can sell it, why can't I list it for, you know, 4% or 4.5% uh, or, or some, what we would put in the category of, of not a full service broker, but just a discount broker or pay somebody $500 to put it on the MLS. There's also been a flood of new agents into the industry. That's what happens when you have a hot housing market. It looks like it's a gold rush. It looks like it's easy money. And so you have an influx of new licensees that can, you know, everybody deserves their their shot at the business. I think we all agree on that. But at the same time, too much of anything is, is a bad thing. And when you have too many new licensees, it's heightened competition, of course, but it's also problematic and it's challenging transactions, too. We've talked about that. We've seen on the master's group how there's been transactions where just, I mean, we've had 50 stories on here. The guy who goes up to the open house and is trying to poach buyers. I mean, I'm betting that guy wasn't licensed for 10 years. <laughs> Probably a good guess. Yeah. <laughs> so there's lots of challenges that come with an, a hot housing market that will be corrected as it cools and as it returns to some kind of normalcy. I will say markets tend to overshoot a little bit. When we were going through the downturn in 2011, when prices bottomed out, they were too low. They overshot to the low side. And they're probably going to overshoot to the high side. And, and as inventory comes on, prices will soften a little bit. Again, this will not be a crater like 2008 for the sheer reason that everyone who's bought a home in the last few years has qualified for that home. So they can, you know, they can continue to make those mortgage payments. They pretty much across the board have fixed rate mortgages. They haven't bought multiple houses, you know, as owner occupied. Now they're going to dump one as things change. So there's a lot of positives that will come from some kind of market correction. And again, I'm I'm not sitting here saying that that's, you know, we're absolutely 100% in that. But I, you know, I just I've seen and heard a couple things that made me wonder if you know, if we're in that first inning of that. And as I look at the length of this market, I'm like, well, why wouldn't we be in the first inning of that? It's been a good four-year run of a good housing market. All good things have to come to an end, and, and you know, markets kind of change and, and, and cycle back. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I just to make some context and, and an actual real world example. So, you know, there's a part of Lake Oswego. I'm just not going to name neighborhood so that I'm not naming specifics here. But, you know, I felt like there was probably a value cap on that area of about a million bucks. Like that's where I figured that, you know, based on lot size, the size of home that could be built, about a million bucks was a good approximate cap. Now, of course, there's spikes above it and there's ones below it, but that's an approximate cap. There's a builder that I know that just put a property on the market that's basically the same size as ones that we've sold not too long ago for a million bucks for almost one four. So, you know, it's basically the same house in terms of what it can offer a buyer for essentially 400,000 more dollars. Now, do they get it? I don't know. I'm not here to say they do or don't, but that's the point that, you know, it's kind of a seesaw when, when in the eyes of people that are putting inventory on the market, whether it be a seller, whether it be a builder, whatever it is, they go to that extreme. You know, there's only one way for that to go a lot of times, and that's to kind of trickle back the other way. And sometimes it takes time to trickle back, and, and that can be perceived as the market cooling or a downturn or, or whatever. So, you know, I think there's a decent amount of that out there. You know, we'll see. I, I remember, do you remember back in the, in the day, in the heyday, when we had, you know, uh, back in 2005, two, 2006, people started talking about it, but they started talking about the soft landing. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. I think Alan Greenspan said, the housing market is showing some signs of froth. And years later, after the crash or during the crash, everyone was like, that was a lot of froth. (laughs) Yeah. And they kept saying, we're we're set for a soft landing. And uh, obviously, the plane crashed into the friggin' mountain. There was no no soft landing. But I think that this would be a more appropriate market to talk about a soft landing. Because uh, like you said, everybody can afford their homes. Virtually everybody has skin in the game, meaning down payment into their properties. They didn't go out and buy 18 houses as a hairdresser. There's a lot of stability there. And in addition to that, you know, I'm a big econ buff. I've got my degree in economics from the University of Colorado. But, you know, I follow a lot of the economic stuff. And I I truly believe that, you know, right now our government is kind of uh, hiding some of the not so nice economic data that should be coming out in terms of our GDP growth and, and some other things. And I think that will kind of come to light as we get through the election season and and into next year. But the point of what I'm trying to say here is that I don't think they're going to be raising rates anytime soon. So, you know, that would be, uh, I think, a catastrophe once they realize what the economic numbers truly are. But if they're not raising rates and we just have an increase in inventory and and price expectations start to lower slightly, that would be what I call a soft landing. So I don't obviously didn't happen in 2007. But I think that if there's a market that's set up more for a soft landing, this would be it, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say one thing as a disclaimer on that. Markets, I'll say it again, markets tend to overshoot. They just, they do because it's human nature. Psychology builds on itself. Fear builds on fear. And and you see it with the stock market too. It's not just real estate. There's a tendency for people to their exhilaration they buy 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 everyone's buying and and all of a sudden they start looking around they're like oh we went past where where the real price should have been and so then there's a correction well then that correction tends to go past where it should have been the other way a little bit in 2006 we way overshot to the high side hence the massive drop to the low side but we then again overshot a little bit because I think we all agree that the prices we saw in 2011 were way too low. Yeah. And, and that's when the best deals happened. And that's when, you know, the, the smart money bought. Now we've kind of gone, you know, the other way. Where is it too high? I don't know definitively, but I, I think we're getting close. 
But I also don't think we way overshot either. No, I don't think so either. I, I just think the biggest indicator, maybe the biggest takeaway for everybody that's listening is just watch your inventory levels, right? As inventory starts to creep, that's going to be your biggest indicator that maybe prices have overshot a little more than what the market's willing to bear on a larger scale. And that's when inventory will go up. It'll put downward pressure on prices and we'll have our, our soft landing, so to speak, in certain pockets. Absolutely. And there will be, I mean, don't, don't underestimate the role the media will have on this. When we start to see it creep a little bit, that will be at some point exacerbated as the media says, oh yeah, the housing market is cooling. And then people really act accordingly. And then that's when you'll kind of see that, you know, the next few innings of a correction of some sort. It's not all bad people. I think there's going to be many, many good things that come out of it. We're in a, a fantastic city that I think has benefited so much from the amenities that we have and, and this this great housing market. So there'll be many, many great things that, that come of it. But it's it's a good conversation. I'm using it, you know, I'm using it to get price reductions out of my sellers. I'm using it to to get people to put their house on the market. I'm saying like, look, you know, the people who did the best in the last downturn, and, and I, I'm quick to say this isn't anything like that, were not the ones who were like, throwing their house on the market in December of 07 or early 08. I mean, it was the people who put their house on the market in, in late 06. You're far better off to be putting your house on the market before there's a visible correction and a media proclaimed correction of some sorts than after. Because after, everybody's done that. Yeah, and it just it creates a little more pandemonium than it probably should in certain parts of the country. And but yep. we'll see. Bottom line is that we're not saying doom and gloom at all, but watch your inventory numbers. That's going to be your biggest indicator of anything. So yep. I think we uh, we went a little longer here than we anticipated. So we'll probably uh, maybe I'll bring in talk about the article stuff in one of our next shows. But I think we, we covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything, anything we missed that you want to say to our listeners or shall we uh, put a bow on this guy? I think we can put a bow on this one. Have a great holiday, everyone. We will see you in a couple weeks. Happy Fourth of July early. I'm sure. Uh, Everybody will enjoy themselves, but uh, have a safe celebration, and uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. All right, this is episode 42, signing off. See you guys in two weeks. Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.